everyone. You can make your way to your seat. I know you love fellowship, and I love that you love fellowship. So good. So good. Can I just start by saying how grateful I am to get to pastor this church and how grateful I am to get to preach and teach you God's word each and every week because I know the power of God's word. And so I just want to ask you guys to really position yourself right now in such a way as to try and put aside the distractions of things that has to get done later on and everything else and just dial in and allow yourself to receive the word of God because just one word from God, just one word can change your, comp- your whole life. And so having said that, why don't we just dive into his word? So open up your Bibles, if you would, and turn with me to the book of Colossians. We're going to be in that book for quite some time while you're turning there. I want to just echo in with what Pastor Daniel said and welcome anyone that is here as our guests today. One more time, if we could just welcome those that are here. Man, we are just so honored. I see new faces here, and we're so honored that you would choose to be here with us this morning because we know that there's a lot of places you could be. I mean, it's pretty nice weather out, you know, and you guys could be a lot of different places, and we're so honored that you are here with us. Today is the fourth installment of our series, Unhindered, where we have been going chapter by chapter, verse by verse, exploring the book of Colossians. And this particular letter was written by the Apostle Paul, and it speaks so much to the challenges that we face today. And I think that it's incredible that a letter that was written 2,000 years ago to a people that or 6,000 miles from where we live, can speak to so much to the similar uh, issues that we're facing today. Now, if you didn't get a chance to listen to the uh, first three messages in this series, first of all, I want to encourage you to go and listen to them, because they speak to the challenges that we face in a world that is overflowing with distractions and competing messages. And as we journey through this series, I can't help but be reminded of the constant barrage of noise that surrounds us. What I mean is we now live in an era where every device, every screen, every notification, it's vying for our attention. And I'm not just talking about the external noise that we have to deal with, but there's also then the internal struggles and doubts and pressures which tug at us daily. But here's the truth. Amidst all the cacophony, that's your $5 word of the day, (laughs) amidst all of the noise, we're seeking clarity. We're seeking a way to live lives that are unhindered by this chaos, lives that are aligned with God's unchanging truth. Last week, we left off with Colossians 1, verse 12, where it says, The Father has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. And we talked about the truth, how that it is God that qualifies us. Not man, not our works, but God pours his favor upon us simply as a result 
of his love towards us. Romans 5, 8, it speaks to this very thing. It says, God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now, this plainly tells us that there's nothing that we did or that we could do to earn his love, his his grace, and to be a recipient of this incredible promise of heaven. It is simply a result of his grace. The scripture that we ended on last week even goes on to mention how that we are now heirs who have an eternal inheritance. But watch this. It's not just one that begins in eternity. It is one that is for now. And I shared this last week, but I believe that repetition is the best teacher. So if you'll allow me to share it one more time. 2 Peter 1.3 says, His divine power has given us everything that we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. You see, this scripture reminds us that God's power isn't something that's just reserved for the future, but it's available to us now. Everything that we need for life and godliness is already supplied through our knowledge of him. You see, it's not about us striving in our own strength and trying to figure everything out or even relying upon all of the fleeting resources of this world, but it's about us tapping into the unending reservoir of God's power and goodness. Friends, we have everything already available to us, every tool that we will ever need to navigate this life to overcome temptation, and to grow in godliness. And watch this. Write this down. It all begins with knowing him intimately. Did you know that? Because until you grab hold of this truth, like your foundation won't be strong enough to carry the weight of the world, which is surely to come your way. How many of you guys saw on TV what happened back in Miami in June of 2021? There was a a 12-story beachfront condominium that collapsed, which resulted in the death of 98 people. And in the aftermath of this terrible event, there was an investigation, which found that the foundation wasn't strong enough to handle the 12 stories of condos that it was holding. Now watch this. It was probably strong enough to hold one story. I don't know, maybe even three or four. But at some point, it crossed over into carrying something that it didn't have the power to hold. Friends, this is no different with us. And here's what I mean, because some of you might be like, well, you know, Chris, I've been doing pretty good on my own. I'm built different than other people. I can handle things that others can't handle. And hey, You know, maybe you were given a few more tools in life that others weren't given. But let me tell you something, that without God, it's not a matter of if, but when the weight of the world comes crashing down on you. Get a phone call that your kid has been in a car wreck and see how strong you are. Get a phone call that your parent just tragically died and then see how you hold up. Answer the phone only to have the doctor to tell you that either you, your spouse, or both have cancer. 
then you'll see how weak your foundation is if your life is not built on the solid rock, which is Jesus. You say, Pastor, are you trying to scare me? No, I'm just telling you that in life, sometimes it gets really, really hard. And the weight gets really heavy. And as strong as you think you are, if you are not rooted in Christ, if you have not built your foundation upon the word of God, you will not be able to withstand the pressure. Why do you think the majority of our society is so anxious, depressed, and medicated? And I'm not just speaking against medication, but I will say that many people have turned to a drug instead of God. As a matter of fact, before you pop that pill, you might want to do a little research on the Greek word pharmakia and see where we get our English word pharmacy because it's associated with sorcery, witchcraft, and the use of drugs for occultic purposes. Now, you go and do your homework and find out if what I'm telling you isn't the truth. So what's our resolve? What's the solution? How do we build a strong foundation that can handle the weight of life's challenges? The answer lies in recognizing our need for God's unshakable truth and power. It's about us choosing to build our lives upon the solid rock of his word rather than the shifting sands of this world. Jesus speaks to this very thing in Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27. He says, therefore... Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. How many of you know that it's important that you just don't show up and hear God's word on a Sunday morning or reading your Bible throughout the week? Because I know you guys are reading your Bible throughout the week. And they just think, well, boy, isn't that just good theological knowledge that I can hold up here in my cerebral cortex? Mm Mm-mm. It's got to be put into practice, and that's what Jesus is saying here. Anyone who hears these words of mine, so it's important that we hear God's word first and foremost, but then we got to put it into practice. And Jesus said that if we will do those two things, it's like a wise man who built his house upon the rock. And the rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it's had its foundation upon the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice, which is really interesting because it says those who hear these words of mine, so that meant that they actually heard the word, but they didn't put it into practice. You see, there's a deception that takes place whenever we become hearers of the word and not doers of the word. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. Building on the rock means not only hearing the word of God, but also putting it into practice. It means allowing the truths of Scripture to shape our thoughts, our actions, and our decisions. It means seeking God's wisdom and guidance in every single area of our lives. Now, I want us to pick up where we left off last week. I think we did, was it Colossians 1.12? Let's just jump to verse 13 now. I'm going to read that to you. Uh, This verse lays out, really, one of the things that's necessary for us shoring up our foundation. It says this, for he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us. If you've got a pen, it's okay to underline this in your Bible. Underline the word transferred. He transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, 
the forgiveness of sins. Now, we're probably just going to spend the rest of the day on this one verse right here. Um, we may get through Colossians by the time Christmas gets around. <laughs> the Bible says that God rescued us from the domain of darkness, and then it says he transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. Now, here's what I want us to do. I want us to talk about what that word transferred means. Because a lot of people might think something to the effect of, well, that's what happened the moment that I gave my life to Christ, right? And to that, I would say, yes, but that's not all. The moment you gave your life to Christ was your entrance through the door. A couple of weeks ago, Jody and I, we were down in Sarasota, and Jody wanted to go visit the Ringling Brothers Museum. And the first thing that we did was go and visit John and Mabel's house. Any of you guys ever been there before? It's an incredible place. But now, catch this. If all I ever did was walk through the door and just stand right past the threshold, well, I guess you could say that I was in the house. But the point of going through the door wasn't to just stand at the entryway. It was to take in the, the beauty of the house, to explore every room, and to experience the grandeur of the architecture and the intricate details that made that place so unique. Similarly, when we come to Christ, it's not about us just stepping through the doorway of salvation and then standing still. It's about us stepping into a new life, a new reality, and fully experiencing the kingdom of God. God doesn't just transfer us from darkness to light. He invites us to explore, engage, and fully embrace the abundant life that his son offers. But let me just start with this understanding of what it means to transfer. Because this is actually a word that has many different definitions. And one of those definitions is to die. You see, God wants us to embrace the new. But in order for us to embrace the new, first we have to let go of the old. We have to die to our old habits, our old way of living and way of thinking. You see, I think this is where so many Christians fail to understand that God has indeed given us everything that we need, but we're the ones who have to take hold of it. Are you with me, church? Think of it like this. Imagine if you moved into a beautiful mansion. If I could just continue on with the nice mansion analogy. But you continue to just live in one room. You have access to all the rooms, all the amenities, but you limit yourself. Well, this is what Christians do all the time. They settle for a fraction of what God has given them. And they stay in their comfort zones, content to just receiving what they already know and all that they know when there's a vast amount of promises already designated to them. You see, church, this transference that the Bible speaks of, it isn't this quantum leap of faith or the snap of a finger, but rather it's a daily dying of self. It's putting on the new life that Christ offers. Now, practically, what's that mean? Well, it means a lot of things. But one thing that it means is to have a change in perspective. 
Because in the kingdom, we're to see things differently than we did in the past. Why? Because our allegiance has changed. We're no longer living for ourselves. We're living for the one who gave us this great invitation to be a part of the kingdom of God. By the way, that kingdom has a king, and you're not him, and I'm not him. Jesus is king. Amen? But this change in perspective, look, it isn't just a, a shift of vision, but it's a willingness to step out of the shadows and comfort and into the radiant light of possibility. See, you now serve a God who makes a way when there seems to be no way. You serve a God that when he breathes out, galaxies are formed. You serve a God who is able to take what you thought was broken beyond repair. This is a word for someone right now. And he's able to restore it. Are you ready for this? Better than new. Better than new. And friends, I'm not just trying to, to hype you up here. I'm telling you that this is the truth of who you are in Christ. And it's the truth of the riches of God's promises for those who would dare believe. Now, as I said earlier, to lay hold of the new, you've got to let go of the old. Now, I can't say what that means specifically for each and every one of you. But I know this, anything that hinders your walk with Christ should be discarded without hesitation. I'm glad three people agreed with that. You know it's okay to say amen, that's good, pastor. I like to hear that because I'll think that I'm not preaching good and y'all make me preach for another hour because I'll keep going and going and going until I think that you get it. Talk to me, somebody, okay? Let me read you some scripture. Maybe that'll excite you. I understand if my words don't, but how, how about God's word? Listen to this. It speaks to this very thing that I just said. Anything that hinders your walk with Christ should be discarded without hesitation. Can I just say before I read that scripture, this is where God has me right now. See, there's a lot of things in our life that's lawful for us. The scripture speaks to that. It says all things are lawful, but not all things are beneficial. Or if you memorized it in the King James like I did, expedient. In other words, it's not going to expedite your purpose. And you know what? As a matter of fact, some of those things that are lawful could slow it down. Are you with me? And so we've got to rise up to the place of maturity followers of Jesus to where we recognize the distractions of the world. They may not be sin, but watch this. To he who knows to do good and does it not, that is actually sin. And we got to be dialed in to the good thing that God has called us to. Listen to what the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews 12.1, it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. I love the imagery of these words. I mean, imagine running a race with a heavy backpack strapped to your shoulders. Now, what would that mean? Well, it would undoubtedly slow you down, drain your energy, and it would hinder your progress. Well, in a similar manner, the weight of old habits, lingering doubts, and unresolved sin, they keep us from experiencing all that God has purposed 
for us, and they hinder our relationship with Christ. But watch this. The writer of Hebrews, he doesn't just leave us with the problem, but he provides the solution. He encourages us, lay those things aside. Church, this is a call for intentional action. To let go of the burdens that have held us captive, to release the doubts that have shackled our faith, and to throw off the sin which has entangled us. And hear this, because this isn't a mere suggestion that's being presented to us. This is a transformative principle. It's an invitation to live differently, to walk unhindered in the freedom that Christ has secured for us. And here's the thing about the invitation. The invitation comes with the power to pull it off. I mean, the one who calls us to this race is the one who equipped us for it. Hallelujah. He's the one who provides the strength that we need to be able to cast off our burdens and and the sins that weigh us down. He's the one who offers to give us grace to forgive and to heal and the power to be transformed. And yes, all this comes just from that one word that we mentioned earlier, to be transferred into the kingdom of his beloved son. Now, as I said earlier, that word has several definitions to it. One of them was, was die to self, but another one is to turn away from or to change. So that invitation into the kingdom, it means to die to self. It means to live differently. And watch this. This right here is a message that must be preached to the body of Christ right now. Because there are denominations that are teaching that you could continue living in the same manner as you were before you came to Christ. And as a minister of the gospel, I am calling out this heresy. You cannot love the things of this world and say that the love of the Father is within you. I don't care what other person stands behind the pulpit and says that's contradictory. Let me tell you what the Word of God has to say. 1 John 2 15 through 17 says, do not love the world. What in the world do you want to love the world for anyway? Like what lie have you believed that says there's something better out in the world that's better in the kingdom? Because if you believe that, you've believed a lie. You say, well, Pastor, no, I agree with you on this. Well, Is your actions also lining up with what you say you believe? Do not love the world. Or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, listen to what John says, the Apostle John. The love of the Father is not in him. Oh, beloved. There are going to be many on that day. Many who will say to him, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Cast out demons in your name? And do many mighty miracles in your name, and the Lord will say to them, Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. Do not love the things of this world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desire of the eyes 
And the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. Now, what I just read you came straight from the word of God. So don't shoot the messenger. Okay? But understand, God calling you out of darkness and into his marvelous light, watch this, it isn't a bad thing. It isn't him holding out on you, keeping you from something better. No, it's the opposite. But our adversary, the devil, is working overtime to convince Christians that it's okay to live however they want. 1 Peter 5.8 talks about this attempt of the devil to try and deceive Christians. It says this, be sober-minded. Do you know how you're to be sober-minded? There's only one way that I know how to be sober-minded, and that means whatever my mind is filled with the word of God. And I was just talking about don't throw down too many, all right? Be sober-minded and be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. Seeking someone to devour. And sadly, many denominations have become his pawn. And they're celebrating the very thing that God said is sin. Now watch this, because some of you think you know what I'm talking about, that I'm just talking about this one particular thing, but I promise you I'm not. I'm talking about a lot of things. I'm also talking about the things like the subtle compromises that we allow into our lives. How many know the scripture says that it's the little foxes that spoil the vines? It's not often that the enemy is going to come in and say, hey, why don't you just go have an affair on your wife today? Why don't you just go buy a, a fifth of liquor and just, you know, have at it? Doesn't work like that. But he'll come in with a little compromise. He'll come in and say, it's okay to watch that movie. I remember I used to give this illustration to my teenagers when I was a youth pastor, and it was about these teenage boys that would come in and talk about the movie that they just saw, and then the dad asked them about it. And, of course, the boys, knowing that the dad would be aware of what type of movie it is, he goes, well, dad, there was a few things in it that was a little bad. He goes, but the graphics were amazing. Oh, you should have heard the, the sound is unbelievable. And the dad says, no problem. He says, hey, can I, can I make you some brownies? He goes, yeah, because his dad was kind of famous for making brownies. And so when he makes some brownies, brings it in, gives it to his friends, they're getting ready to, to grab it. He goes, oh, wait, 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 one minute. He goes, I, I need to let you know one thing. He says, what's that? What's that, dad? He says, I, I just changed the recipe just a little bit. I, I wanted to let you know. They said, okay. And they're getting ready to dive in. He goes, but, but you probably want to know. He said, what's that? He goes, you know, I put just a little bit of dog poop in it. <laughs> and they're like, what? He says, but, but it's just a little bit. Just, I mean, it's not much. You can, I mean, it's just a little bit. But I, but I did mix it in there. And they're all like, no way. We don't want a tin. But yet, watch this. Don't we do that whenever we say, oh, it's just a little bit. We just take it all in, right? Hmm. See, it's not just about what you think that I'm talking about here. It's talking about the inward things, not just the obvious things that we see, the attitudes, the behaviors, and the thought patterns. Because how many of you know that's where everything starts? Everything starts with a thought. And then that thought, we allow it, if we don't shoe it, if we don't take that thought captive, 
Martin Luther once said, you can't stop a bird from flying over your head, but you can stop them from building a nest there. And when that thought comes in, I don't care what the thought is. The thought can be that you're not loved, that you're alone, that God doesn't care about you, which is a lie from the pit of hell. And you've got to cast that thought down because if not, it, that bird will start building up a nest there. And before too long, like you're walking in fear and anxiety and depression and everything else. You've got to take that thought captive. You've got to cast it down. That's the authority that you have. I think it's one of those times like where the disciples came to Jesus. It's Jesus, they need to eat. And Jesus says, hey, go feed them. God's given us authority in the kingdom. We've got to exercise that authority. Are, are you with me? Again, it's the attitudes, the behaviors, the thought patterns that don't align with God's standards. See, believers, listen, as Christians, we are called to be holy just as God is holy. But you've got to know that this call to holiness, it isn't a restrictive commandment that is meant to limit our enjoyment. It's an invitation to experience the abundant life that Christ offers. It's an invitation to live in alignment with our true identity as children of God, reflecting his character in everything that we do. So what's the solution? How do we ensure that we're not falling into the trap of compromise or the allure of worldliness? Well, it begins with a genuine, ongoing relationship with Jesus. It's about seeking him daily, not just in times of trouble, but in every moment of our lives. It's about surrendering our desires, our plans, and our ambitions to him and allowing his spirit to transform us from the inside out. And it's also about us immersing ourselves in his word. Because whenever we store up his word in our heart, it's then that we're able to run the race unhindered because his word's a lamp to our feet. It's a light to our path. Put simply, the more that we fill our minds with truth, God's truth, the more discerning that we become about the lies of the devil and the allure of the world. And while we're talking about it, let's also not forget the significance, the importance, and the power of community, because this is an important part of this transference that we've been talking about, because surrounding ourselves with fellow believers who share our commitment to living for Christ, that gives us the accountability, the encouragement, and the support that we all need, that I need and that you need. But here's what often happens in the body of Christ. Allow me to maybe give this illustration if I could. Imagine if Pastor Daniel got up here at the end of service, and he said, today's going to be a heat advisory. And so we've got a table set outside with bottles of water for you to take with you so that you don't get dehydrated. But then some walk right past the table, and they think to themselves, eh, I don't need the water. I'm good. But as the day goes along, they start to feel thirsty. But then they think, man, that church should have made sure that I was given water. Now, how absurd would that be? Well, let me ask you this. Would it be any more absurd than whenever 
he gets up week after week and strongly encourages everyone to get involved in a community group. And then people walk right past the table where they can easily sign up to belong, but they think to themselves, I'm good. But as the day and the week and the months go on, they feel that lack of community. And then what happens? And I've watched this happen over and over and over again. They think to themselves, I'm just not experiencing any community at that church. Well, guess what? Just like physical hydration is crucial for our bodies, spiritual nourishment and community are essential for our souls. We can't expect to thrive in isolation or by neglecting the opportunities that God allows for us to connect, grow, and flourish together. Are you hearing me? Because I'm talking to you, church. The beauty of the body of Christ is this. We were meant to function as a unified, interconnected whole. Each member contributes to the health and the vitality of the whole body. But whenever we neglect community, we deprive ourselves of the support and the strength that comes from being a part of something that's larger than ourselves. You often hear me address you as church. And the reason why is because that is who you are. You are the ecclesia. That's the Greek word for assembly of the community of believers. Yet what has happened in the 21st century culture is we've confined a church to a building. But that was never its purpose or intent. The church is a dynamic gathering of disciples. It's a living organism that's fueled by faith and love. The building is just where we, the church, meet. And as part of this vibrant community, each person has a role to play. Just like the human body relies upon each organ and limb to function harmoniously, the church thrives when each member contributes their unique gifts and perspectives. And every believer, whether seasoned or seeking, has a place within this assembly. And so I say to those of you that are guests today, you are welcomed here just as you are. You don't have to have it all figured out. None of us do. But what we have chosen is to do this thing together, to walk together, to pray together, to cry together, to laugh together, to live life not in isolation, but to be a part of something great, something beautiful, something bigger than us, to be the church, the living, breathing body of Christ in the world. Now, just to bring a little more understanding to what we're talking about here, I'm talking about a people who have chosen to be bound together by a shared faith and a shared hope and a shared purpose. And as we navigate life's challenges, triumphs, and uncertainties, we do so hand in hand, heart in heart, drawn strength from the God who unites and empowers us. And I'm also talking about a place where authenticity is valued. 
and where doubts can be voiced and where healing can be found by the embrace of a loving community. Hey, this is the church. This is the church. And this is what Paul was talking about here in Colossians 1.13 when he said that God has transferred us into this beautiful thing called the kingdom of God. And so let me just bring today's message to a close with a twofold invitation. The first is to choose to be a part. Both of these things that I'm presenting before you, these invitations, they are a choice that that lands upon you. Choose to be a part. Actively engage with the community of believers. But then two, maybe you're here this morning and you're that seeker that I was talking about. You've yet to surrender your life to Christ. You've been standing on the outside looking in. You've not even crossed through that that doorway of salvation just yet. Like you've heard this, this gospel message about a God who loves you, who sent his son to pay a sin debt that each and every person owes. And you want to be a part of this great, beautiful, and life transforming community. You want to step into the kingdom that Paul speaks of and to experience the reality of God's son, Jesus. If that's you, I want you to know that that invitation is open. Just as you are with your questions, with your uncertainties, you are welcome into the family of faith. You don't have to have all the answers. You just need to take that step of faith and to reach out and to accept the love that God is offering you through his son, Jesus Christ. And so if that's you, and you would say, yes, yes, I want Jesus. I want him more than the things of this world. Then here's what I want to do. I want to invite you right now to pray with me. And what we're going to do is we're going to confess Jesus as Lord. And I believe that there are some, I believe it, deep down in my gut that there are some that you have not crossed over that threshold. Maybe you've been coming to church for weeks, maybe months, possibly even years, but yet you have yet to make that choice. Now is the time that you make the choice. And friend, understand something. People think, well, I'll just, I don't know that I want to make that decision. Not making a decision or an indecision is a decision. The decision is no. I'm not interested right now, God. The Bible says, choose you this day whom you will serve. And if you say, I don't want to serve the things of this world. I don't want to serve myself. I don't want to serve a politician. I don't want to serve a celebrity. I don't want to serve a guy or a girl. I want to serve the God of all creation. I want to give my life to him. And friend, can I just tell you something? I can't emphasize this enough. And friend, understand that I am not a scare tactic person. I just got to speak the truth that How about this statistic? One out of one dies, and we don't know when we're going to breathe our last breath. And the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. When we breathe our last breath and we stand before the Lord of glory, there is only one way that you get into heaven, friend. One way, Jesus. And he himself said, I am the way. You can't do it by good works. 
You can't do it through any other religion. I hate to tell you, but the other religions are false religions. All roads don't lead. They may lead to Rome, but they don't lead to heaven. Okay? It's Jesus. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one, not one single person, no one sneaks in the back door. The only way you get into heaven is through Jesus Christ and through the blood that he spilled on Calvary by choosing to go to the cross to pay a sin debt that you and I owe. So friend, if that's you and you want to be a recipient of salvation, but you even want more than that, you want to be able to go and explore all the riches and the goodness that God has for you. And I encourage you to do so because, oh, it's beautiful. I've been digging into the vault of heaven for 30 years. And right when I think that I've, I've, I've learned quite a bit, the more I know about God, the more I see I don't know because he's a big God. And can I tell you, he's got thousands upon thousands of his promises for his people. But for some of you, you need to first take that step of faith and enter into the doorway, which is Jesus. He is the door. And you say, I want to surrender my life to Jesus. Look, for those of you that are here with us in person, and for those of you that are watching this online, maybe some of you right now live, or some of you that may be even watching this weeks, months, or even years later, I want you to know that this invitation is still good. As a matter of fact, if you're still breathing and you're reading this, I promise you the invitation is still good. So what we're going to do right now is we're going to confess Jesus as Lord. And so if that's you and you say, I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life, then right now I want you to pray this prayer from the bottom of your heart to God. It's an authentic prayer. I'll help you with the words, but you just take ownership of them. And we're going to all together right now pray this prayer out loud. Saints of God, join in with us. Pray, Lord Jesus, I confess that I was born a sinner in need of a Savior. I ask you, Jesus, be my Lord. Forgive me of my sin. Help me to turn from it. Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God, that you died on the cross for the sin of the world and for my sin. Jesus, I believe that you rose from the grave just as your word says. Now I want to live my life to know you and to make you known. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come, can we thank God for our salvation? Hallelujah.